Welcome to the Together for Good podcast, a podcast specifically designed to inspire, challenge, and uplift you during your daily walk of faith. On today's episode, we're continuing with this theme of story and scripture. Last week, we had that entire story of scripture. Uh, But then I'm bringing on this week my friend Eric Madsen. Eric's a pastor outside of Rochester, New York, someone that I've known for a really long time. And he's so passionate about story and the way that he understands his ministry is as one as a storyteller, someone who helps people connect and enter into the story of scripture. So it just seemed like a very appropriate conversation to have coming off that last podcast episode that told the entire story of scripture. So I really hope you enjoy this. Eric has some great wisdom to share with us and some really unique and interesting ideas. It was a super fun conversation, um, and I'm really grateful for to Eric for jumping on here. But as always, friends, thanks for listening to the podcast. Please share these episodes, share the link, um, let other people know that this exists out there and that it can be hopefully a help to other people's life of faith. You don't just need to be a Bethany Lutheran Church member uh, to get something out of these podcasts, I like to think. So thanks for your support. Thanks for listening. And now, Eric Madsen and the importance of story. Hey, everybody. Welcome to the Together for Good podcast. I have on the line with me a longtime friend, Pastor Eric Madsen. Eric, say hello to everybody. Hello, everybody. So here's what you need to know about Eric. Um, Some fun stories before we even begin. Eric was the junior counselor in the cabin where I was the counselor way back in summer 2005 at Lake Chautauqua Lutheran Center. True? Decades ago, yeah. Decades, we're so old. (laughs) (laughs) And um, so that's where I really first got to know Eric pretty well, uh, was during that week when we worked together in the cabin. And then later on, several years later, I hired Eric to be the custodian at the church that I served as pastor of in Buffalo, New York. And Eric was very diligent about his cleaning time. He was a really great employee. And every I Sunday, kept the sacred relics, you, you know, kept the sacred, that's, that's how you described yourself, right? Keeper of sacred relics, if anybody yeah. asks. Yeah. Uh, and Eric would diligently be there on Sunday mornings and open up and clean things, but he would always stop and listen to the sermon and then come in for communion. And I like to think that it's because of that behavior, Eric, that you discerned your own call to ministry. And now you're a pastor in Rochester, New York. Yeah, so this whole thing is your fault, I guess. (laughs) Uh, Eric, tell the good people on the podcast where you're serving, what you've been up to. Yeah, go ahead. Hi, uh, I'm uh, the uh, senior and only pastor at uh, uh, Trinity Emanuel Lutheran Church in Gates, New York, which is just outside of Rochester. Uh, I've been serving there about three years now, fresh out of seminary, where I also continued and got to know Nate very well there at uh, uh, at the Philadelphia Seminary. And uh, now I'm just making our way through pandemic and stories and all sorts of crazy stuff that comes with being a pastor. Yeah, it's quite the job, isn't it, Eric? Quite the job. Quite the calling, shall we say. Uh <laughs> And so the other cool thing, Eric uh, was in the Denver area last week and did not bother to tell me that he was in the Denver area. Luckily, I was managing the Bethany Lutheran uh, Instagram account that week because our director of media, Colleen Mackey, is on vacation. And so um, while I'm managing it, I noticed that Eric posted a picture from Garden of the Gods. And I'm like, wait a second, you're in Colorado Springs. Like how? So we got coffee last 
Thursday. Was that yeah, it? Thursday. Yeah, last Thursday. Um, and caught up a little bit. That was great. And then I'm like, oh my gosh, I haven't had you on the podcast yet. We got to get this in line. And so here you are. And um, during our conversation, when we were having coffee at Starbucks near Bethany, um, you just talked about story a lot. And I was really compelled by it. Story is something I care a lot about. Uh, I just got done actually teaching a Bible study class about Jesus's parables um, and right thinking about Jesus as a storyteller. But Eric, I mean, you were talking to me about how in your three years of um, ordained ministry now, that that's really kind of been your hallmark and the thing that you've really honed in on personally, your pastoral identity. So please just talk to us a little bit about why you love story and how that is so integral to the work that you do. Sure. Um, well, I think stories are like the baseline of how we define our lives, right? We have these uh, narratives that we binge watch on TV that we get linked up with, you know, we find compelling, they give us grounding, you know, um, maybe there's a favorite book series that, you know, you absolutely love and care for. And, you know, often people find identity and story and uh, purpose in those. But, you know, when you boil down exactly what a pastor is, I honestly think that we're just keepers of God's holy story because, mm -hmm. Christianity, when you get down to it, it's uh, all it is is a long, long story of God's loving, caring, and being with God's people. And we're inheritors of that story, and we continue that story in our present day. I think, too, I, lo I love the way you're talking about it because there is something so um, valuable and identity shaping about connecting to a larger story even you know christianity is a great example of that but you even just look about the ways that people describe themselves it, it, it's often connected to a mythology if you will a story of some sort even right like something like hey well we're both uh buffalo bills fans because we spent a lot of time in buffalo new york like that, but the that's got its own anguish. story <laughs> and, and, and but people people will talk about that too of like oh my gosh like you guys lost the four super bowls yes yes we know we know, um, but, and it has an identity piece to it by just connecting with that mythology, right? Like mythology doesn't, for those listeners, right? It doesn't necessarily mean it's fake or not real, but it's like this, this ethos, this story that you connect with that brings identity. Um, so Eric, tell me, like, talk to us about some of the ways that you find yourself doing this in particularly. I think I love your point, right? Pastors are just keepers of the sacred story. How does that play out for you at Trinity Emmanuel in Gates, New York? Well, uh, essentially, it's all about connecting people to the narrative. One of the things that I find, um, you know, most, you know, discouraging and the best opportunity in ministry is that um, uh, we don't know the stories as well as we think we do. Um, mm, you know, we yeah. might l learn some core stories in Sunday school, and then the rest of the time we hear these little snippets of gospel week in and week out. Um, and we really don't understand how they connect to one another, how the Old Testament feeds into the New Testament, how our understanding of God is constant and moves with us through time, space, and everything. And honestly, it's defining those stories and opening them up to people. And I do this in my sermons. I do this in Bible study. I do this in theology, all sorts of different avenues in which we try and ground ourselves in these stories so that we can understand them because essentially jesus was a storyteller mm -hmm. right the early church 
was a church of a story, right? They were followers of this way, as they called it. Um, and before we added all sorts of other stuff, before the music, before the sermons, before um, uh, our, our, our prayers of the day and all of that, we yeah. were a people of a story. And this story, you know, it spread like wildfire. In right. 250 years, the, a story of hope and promise went from 11 people locked in a room to almost a third of the Roman Empire. Millions upon millions of people all gripping onto this idea of a story of hope. And honestly, when you get down to Christianity's basics, that's all we are. We hold and trust in a story of hope. I love that, Eric. Oh man, that's really good. And I, I mean, it's it's cool too. Did we even see, right? Like you're, you're <laughs> leading by example, just in the way that you described that point of like helping us call to mind the story of Pentecost with the 11 people walked in the room and how that explodes out, right? That was powerful. Just right here, listening to that and connecting with it rather than you saying like, no, like it's really important. There's just something dynamic about a story that I think touches and grips our heart and our minds and our imaginations in a way that like just clear cut, you know, linear facts do not um you know that can be compelling and insightful for people at different times but there is just something dynamic about stories and so you kind of talked about i'm just curious how you see this playing out for individuals in your congregation or for you personally as a person of faith right like what is it you think that that just is so deeply spiritually enriching for you to be connecting with the story or for others in your congregation Connecting like you're talking about. Well, you know, to get into that, you have to really look at how stories shape individuals, right? Um, yeah. For for instance, right, Game of Thrones, huge phenomena, right? Seven seasons of excellent storytelling throughout, but then when the storytelling went bad, yeah. right, <laughs> it all fell apart, right? People had invested their time, their energy, their their patience in watching this show for years and years and years, right? Because they identified with the story. It had a, a story of things that we see in real life all the time, right? Uh -huh. so it was easy to jump into that. And the second it didn't, we were removed from the story through, you know, possibly bad writing, it, we no longer identified with it, right? Some of us hope that it never happened, right? And we see this with like a lot of, you know, like, Harry Potter's huge in, in my age group, right? Yep. Uh, yep. It's like uh, uh, the sacred text of, of, of millennials. Um, you know, it's fun podcasts, you know, fan films, like all sorts of things. Because um, people identify it with it, it shapes them, you know, they see themselves in this story. And so when we look at our story, right, our, our, our holy stories, our sacred scriptures, right? we're supposed to read them the way that they're meant to be read, right? Uh, these are stories that were told around campfires long yeah, yeah. before they were written, you know, um, of epics that would stem a whole narrative arc of, of, of prophets and uh, 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 forebears and elders that, you know, came from long ago. And the arc of what happens to these people in their stories and how they interact with God is where we see God in our lives, right? Mm -hmm. And the story of this itinerant preacher who 
came out of Galilee and started moving throughout the towns and seas and um, uh, inspiring people, healing people, uh, teaching, uh, 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 rubbing uh, the wrong way against the scribes and Pharisees, also all those things, right? They show us who we are in that story, right? Sometimes we're the disciples, sometimes we're the people sitting, uh, just learning or teaching, or sometimes we're the ones that, you know, honestly feel a little uncomfortable yeah. in those moments of story. The way, the way I've heard it said, I can't claim um, that this is my original thought, but it's one that's resonated with me deeply, deeply is that um, the Bible, it, it's not as important that it happened, but that it happens, right? The, the themes of the story continue to play out in our lives today. Um, you know, the, the struggles that the disciples go through in living out the faith are still our struggles today. And so we can, as you said, like we can, we can garner hope when things are difficult and divisive and ugly in our life or in our world, we can garner hope from the ways that this played out before, the way that God has acted previously in the story. We can be confident that God will act in such a way again for the betterment of all of creation, right? That, 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 that just gives you the, the wherewithal to keep going. Um, and now I have to, I have to pause there. I have to laugh because um, you mentioned Game of Thrones. And, and how horrible the ending was. And so I watched the whole thing. And then I get to the end. This is a true story. Other people probably heard me tell this before. I get to the end, uh, you know, those, that last mm -hmm. catastrophe of a season. And I'm so disappointed. And I think to myself, I'm like, I, I have never been this disappointed before. And then I'm like, wait a second. No, I was this disappointed when Lost ended as well. Television <laughs> show Lost, which also was awesome. And then had a terrible ending and so that was the moment this is true i mm -hmm. I, I thought about all that I'm like you know what tv has done this to me twice books have never done that to me and that's when i started <laughs> reading a lot uh, and i've sworn off tv ever since then i blame game of thrones <laughs> for making me read books um which i really appreciate anyways i just had to tell that it's it's totally irrelevant to the story um of what we're actually talking about but uh you've mentioned game of thrones and it just got me thinking of well, I mean, but really though, like how important, um, how, how, how much that can change our lives, right? Like stories just have such uh, an emotional connection with us. I, I think that's the real piece too. I don't know if you found that as well, but right, like the facts and logical reasoning are in their own way um, interesting and exciting, but I just don't feel like it ever has this emotional connection, right? Like that's always much of a more head connection, which is important. But when I want to really feel something, I reach for a good book. Um, and when I want to really understand my emotions, like I turn to the scriptures and try and think about how God connects with us on these deeper human levels. Um, yeah. yeah. Go ahead. Go ahead. No, I mean, uh, I, I, I totally feel that. And one of the things that I've done in my congregation that panned out greatly is um, we kind of looked at what a gospel is, right? I feel like um, oftentimes we come to scripture with this idea that it's history, right? Or it, it's a history. Yeah. Um, but honestly, when you break down the good news, it's uh, a gospel is, is a story from a point of view, right? We're gifted four different stories, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. Each one tells a different story involving a lot of the same events. And so um, one of the things that we did is we went through uh, uh, a John together. 
yeah. um, looking at the story. And then uh, uh, some of them were, would ask, well, what about this thing that happened in another gospel? And I was like, well, according to John, this isn't important to his point of view. He's trying mm -hmm. to tell you something about Jesus here, right? Mark, John is telling you this story. And we have to follow John's story to understand what he's trying to say. We can't interpose these other gospels in there. Um, and then to help break that down, um, we read uh, Shuzako Endo's A Life of Jesus, which is like a more modern day gospel, right? You've always loved that book. You've been telling me to I read that for years. I love that book. It's so good. 100% you should read it. Um, and it, uh, Endo in, in that work, he literally just tells a story about Jesus. And from that, we are able to craft our own gospels, like the gospel according to Nate or the gospel according to Eric. What would I want other people to know about Jesus if I was sharing the good news? Which is mm. essentially all, it's how we embody stories. It's how we tell stories. It's how we live stories. Yeah. Those, those stories of where we felt God in our lives, those are also sacred stories, you know, because this is a continuation. It just didn't stop at, you know, the end of the Bible. It's a continuing event that happens. And these stories while they aren't recorded in our scriptures anymore, that doesn't make them not holy, right? These times that God interacts with us, challenges us, moves us, they, they help us tell how God is living with us now, how God is loving us now. And, and it's powerful to have those stories to look at, um, to understand that God has like a history, you know, that this, this isn't just something we made up last week um that you no, no, you can trust me no no people have been telling and living by these stories for thousands of years because there's something holy sacred special um deeply connective about it the, the thing that i do when i do um before baptisms i always meet with the families ahead of time and i talk to them about the blessing of the water that we do right like at a thanksgiving for baptism i'm sure you you do it at your church mm -hmm. there um and, and that you'll you'll kind of highlight the stories about how God has used water to save. It's like God led Noah and his family through the waters of the flood and God led the Israelites through the Red Sea from slavery to freedom. And at the River Jordan, John baptized Jesus, right? We say something long, some sort of blessing like that. And what I tell the baptismal families, I'm like, look, like this, we're telling this whole story of salvation, trying to draw the point that like this story is continuing today with this child. You know, like this is still happening and water is still being, right? God is still acting in our world, in the life of this particular child to mm -hmm. bring salvation to that child in this particular moment, just as it was with Noah, with the Israelites, with Jesus and John the Baptist. And I forget which other ones we highlight there, but like there's, some, again, you can, when, when we talk about it like that, you can see how powerful that is to recognize it. You know, no, it's mm -hmm. not just that we made up this weird baptismal ritual today, like this has been a part and this is a part of a much 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 bigger story than now the baby gets to be a part of yeah i mean so just thinking about all this um what i mean how do you think what, what would your advice be for people um to better connect with the story right like what does it look like to live this out in real practical terms well in real practical terms i think it, the best way to live this out is reading scripture together and long forms of scripture together, right? Um, uh, uh, one of the things that we often misconstrue about our scriptures is 
this idea of our point of view. Um, you know, scriptures are always meant to be read communally. They're always meant to be interpreted communally, right? Um, uh, Jesus says, when two or three are gathered in my name, so I will be there also. Like, if we, if all you're doing is reading the Bible by yourself, you know, you're bringing all sorts of stuff with you, right? Mm -hmm. And together, as we struggle with hard texts and read hard stories about how, about parables that should frighten us and challenge us, right? The, the presence of others with us help keep us on that way, on that path of that story, moving us towards places of joy, places of discomfort, places of contemplation. Um, and honestly, I really feel like this is the future of the church. Um, mm. You know, uh, we, we, we're lambasted all the time with, you know, uh, uh, encroaching secular, secularism, um, uh, young people disaffected by organized religion and um, things like that. And it's, it's because we've become tame, right? We show up once a week, we read a little bit of scripture, we sing some hymns together, we do the Lord's table, but people are looking for those that embodied radical story that um, John calls it in his gospel, um, the abiding presence of God that indwells in us. And that, mm -hmm. that's how these, the Holy Spirit works by imbuing these stories in us, right? Um, uh, moving us, challenging us, conflicting us, all sorts of different ranges of emotion. And that's, I think, the spiritual heart of Christianity. Yeah, is wrestling with this. I mean, it's I've heard it described as like these are these are meditation texts, you know, like and to think of it in that way has been really helpful for me to kind of change my viewpoint about it too. Like I can read this really, really slowly. Um, I, I'm sure you've participated in like Lectio Divina. I know I've talked mm -hmm. about it on the podcast before, where you read a passage of scripture three or four times um, and just kind of pay attention to different things each time you read it through. Um, as a opening and a window into a time of prayer, right? Like there is to think about it as the word of God is something holy and sacred, I think really can be helpful because it changes the way that you approach it. It's not just another book, but it's this collection of stories, this collection of histories um, that can touch your soul in really, in really interesting ways, especially like you said, when you read it in community, right? Like when we can learn from the biases and the experiences of one another. That gets mm -hmm. you a whole different angle of how these words might hit people. Um, and that, yeah, there's just something, I, I love that, that it has this mystical element and aspect to it. I know you do too. We've always connected on, on like, yeah, there just needs more mysticism in the church. Come on. I'm all about there that. There needs to be more mysticism. Actually, one of those <laughs> books back there is all about the history of mysticism in the church somewhere. Yeah, it's it's real. It, it actually exists. Well, and so um, I don't know. Um, I have to put a plug in. Um, friends, the previous episode of this podcast is something similar to that, that I worked on all summer. It's the whole creative retelling of the entire story of scripture told in a real meditative way. Um, Eric, I entrust it to you as well. It's pretty, I'm super proud of it forever, <laughs> um, but trying to just get like the bigger narrative of what's going on rather than, um, you know, just reading through long passages of second Chronicles where it's just genealogies. Um, <laughs> but anyways, right, it, it's one other offering that I'm trying to put out there of like, yeah, what if we thought about the Bible 
in this way of this long, big story that God's been telling in different ways since the very beginning. How does that um, change our connection to it? Uh, it's not the only way to read it. It's just one additional way as we're kind of talking about um, different ways to connect with the story. Yeah. Uh, I would say even the long form genealogies in Second Chronicles, they're important, right? They, they, they connect us and they, their purpose is to show us the long width, breadth and depth of this story that it goes back all these generations, right? Maybe you don't actually have to know all those kings or all those people that were back there, but just the scope of it, right? Yeah. The, the scope of how deep it goes. No, thank you for admonishing me. You're right. I shouldn't <laughs> be so cruel about Second Chronicles. Uh, well, on that note, <laughs> before I get admonished again, uh, Pastor Madsen, thank you so much. You're the best. I'm so glad that we were able to connect when you were in town. And just thanks for sharing your passion um, with us. Uh, it should be mentioned, Eric is starting a doctorate degree about scripture, correct? What is it specifically? Uh, we're looking at the narrative underpinnings of the Pauline letters because How stories about everywhere. That? <laughs> How about that? Well, we'll bring you back on um, to pitch your dissertation to us. Uh, when it comes time for that. <laughs> uh, Hopefully but, in just three years. <laughs> three years. Okay, you got it. Uh, hey, uh, Eric, thanks for coming on. And you, dear listeners, thank you for listening. Thanks, everybody. Stay in peace.